yeah, I stay the same. Looking like I'm going to a Raider game. No, I'm not the only one. We've been doing it like this since we was hella young. I don't need a Raider patch. Well, it's great as always to check in with our guy, Lincoln Kennedy. What a journey it's been for the Raiders over the last couple of days. And Lincoln, let's let's start there. Uh, how much time did the Raiders and you have before finding out? I mean, were you guys on your way to Cleveland when the game got moved? When did you, Give us the timeline going back a few days. Well, it, it's interesting that you mentioned it. So on Friday, I was actually in Vegas taping the Silver and Black show for the Raiders uh, Network and, and the, the TV show that I do weekly, um, which is just an analytical show breaking down the Raiders and the upcoming components, so on and so forth. But um, we had gotten the news. It was Friday morning. We got the news that hold off to around 11 o'clock because the Raiders were scheduled to fly out around or leave, leave the facility around 11 a.m. on Friday. Uh, to, to head to the plane to head to Cleveland. And then the word came down that it was going to be the, that there, the game, game was not going to go on as planned. So the Raiders stayed put. And, of course, when I got the news that the NFLPA was involved, I knew there wasn't going to be a forfeiture. We just didn't know what day they were going to play on. So um, that's what pushed everything back. But Brent, well, Brent was actually uh, over the Colorado River when they announced that the game was going to be uh, pushed back over to, the, to, to Monday. Uh, so he was there all weekend. I actually left. Uh, Sunday uh, to, to to get uh, to get over to Cleveland and then just you know hang me out there until we get back. So yeah, and who wants to be in Cleveland for any extra time? <laughs> well, I will, I will say this: this this is the first time that I've been to Cleveland this late in the year, and there was no snow on the ground. Matter of fact, uh, Brent had said that Saturday uh, when the game was supposed to go on, the weather was absolutely horrible over there late oh, because wow. there was fog. And it was, you know, you could barely, it was barely visible and it was dreary. Now it might've been raining a little bit, but you know, Monday, I don't know if you had a chance to see where when the game started, weather was beautiful. It wasn't snow on the ground. It was nice, pleasant, you know, 40 something degrees or whatever it was. It went down, obviously when the sun went down, but you know, for, for Cleveland in December, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. That is true. And then, you know, the reality Lincoln is, um, you know, we're in a weird time, uh, unprecedented. I know the Browns, like, why, why is this game being played? They're undermanned, but you have to go on. And if you're the Raiders, you have to make sure you win. And boy, was yeah. that a dogfight to make sure that they were going to win yesterday. It, it's, it most certainly was. And, and I'll, I'll tell the people of this and then share something with you. Now, people want to know, especially after post-COVID, why, why aren't games just called? Unfortunately, with the CBA, if they don't play, they don't get paid. So um, if they forfeit a game, that means both teams without a game check now until they amend that law and i don't know or they'll amend that uh, rule i don't know when that's going to happen but you know they're, they're the game must go on so the people guys can get paid in the pa just like any union is going to fight for the rights of the players they don't have to miss that game check yeah well they got it and they got the win and it was a wild journey i mean at times it felt like okay they, they're i mean they were never in full control but it felt like they were the right. better team for a lot of the game and then you're going oh man this is gonna it's going to be a bad loss for this team. When Carr threw that late pick, I thought, man. And he got it one more time, Lincoln. Then there's even a setback with a hold by Colton Miller. And yeah. I'm thinking, man, why is this always so difficult for this team? But uh, at the end, and you had to remind Brent of the jackpot at the end. Yeah, certainly, because we were, <laughs> we were sitting there looking at the kick. And, and no one signaled. I, I did not see the referee signal that there was a timeout call. There wasn't a stoppage of play. So everybody was going through it. We're looking at the because the angle that we had on the field, we used the monitor to see if the kick goes upright and goes through the uprights. And so after the first jackpot, he yelled, I'm like, why is everybody still walking around? The game's not over. And then uh, we found that it was a timeout. And then, of course, after the second one. But, you know, when, when you look at that game, um, 
you know, I was originally worried because Nick Mullins, you know, kicked the Raiders butt when he played for the 49ers a couple of years back on Thursday night. So I was a little worried that he might come out and open up things, but much to my surprise, Cleveland got away with their from their true bread and butter. I thought they would try to run the ball down the Raiders' throat mm-hmm. like they did in the fourth quarter, and they didn't. For some reason, they didn't. Now, you know, they opened up in the second half. They showed what they can do, especially on their left side, and really exposed the Raiders' run game. And uh, we'll see what the update on Jonathan Abram is because he left with a shoulder injury. So yeah. that'll be a big loss to him as well. But, you know, finding a way to win, there's there's a reason why they're called the Cardiac Kids <laughs> of 21. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're going to keep your heart pounding to the very end. Yeah, I was going to ask you that watching the game, too, and hearing you guys as well. It, I mean, Chubb got going. There's no doubt that's the strength of their team. Yeah. I don't know, if, could, were the Raiders just loading up the box? Were, was the Browns just going away from their strength? I couldn't figure out why they weren't running early. Neither neither did I. I mean, knowing Callahan, he's the offensive line coach and the run game specialist for the Browns. Um, you know, knowing Callahan having to play for him, I, I, normally when he commits himself to something, even if he knocks his head on the wall a couple of times, he'll still come back to it. And you saw in the second half how things opened up for Chubb. Uh, especially running over the left side, the Raiders' right defensive side. So um, I was really surprised that they got away from it. And I don't know really what their game plan going in because, you know, Nick Mullins not having the chemistry and the timing down with his receivers. You know, most quarterbacks want to throw the short passes, and the cover three to just be able to take uh, place and what will go down the field, but never really got into a rhythm. And I really think they forced the issue by having him throw the ball rather than making him more comfortable with the run before they go to the pass. So, Lincoln, it's only one win, but the reaction from the Raiders, they knew they saved their season, and I don't know if they're going to make the postseason. It's still going to be tough odds, but they're alive, and they acted like it was a big deal. Is a win like that, is there carryover for, let's say, this weekend against the Broncos? You know, like I said to a fan in the elevator one time, I can't remember what game we were coming out of, and he was like, you know, great win. I said, every win is a great win. Every loss is a tough loss. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how you paint it. Um, But, you know, if the Raiders have aspirations of postseason, I was talking with Brent about this last night, I'm like, careful what you wish for. The Raiders aren't a very good team. And I'm not trying to be Donnie Downer. They're not a very good team. They don't play consistent enough to be a playoff-bound team. And when you talk about the AFC, the reason why it's such a cluster is because you've got a number of maybe slightly above average teams and some good teams playing you know, well. And, of course, you look at Indianapolis, you look at uh, the Chargers are inconsistent. But if they're going to win, you know, I, I came into the season, Jason, thinking that they were going to be either 10-7 and 7 or 9-8. and 8, And I'm still holding on to that. And they're mm-hmm. at seven games right now. I don't know. I, the way Jonathan Taylor is running, the way they, that, that offense is playing now and clicking on that defense – I don't know if they can go to Indianapolis and beat somebody, but hey, they surprise us when they beat Dallas. So anything's possible. It's just one of those things where you, you, you know, you careful what you wish for because if they get in the postseason, they get smashed. What fun is that? Yeah, that's true. And the, the way that what they have left are our teams five hundred or above, as we said with the Broncos, yeah. the Colts, and the and the Chargers. As you look, Lincoln, then I mean, kind of play the role of GM. What what is the best way to get this team better? sooner i mean obviously you need better personnel but where's the point of emphasis for you that says this has to be better for the raiders to be a better team well i you know i'm not going to win a lot of people over by this next comment but i I think you have to part ways with number four Mm. i think you have to move on from them and there are a lot of Derek carr lovers out there they'll talk about way through over four thousand yards and the offensive line was horrible and and i get all that i just don't know if if his production is good enough to be consistently beat Patrick Mahomes or Herbert uh, or when, whenever the Broncos decide to find a quarterback, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. So, but it, it's not. It, I mean, the, the thing is, he, he, you know, you could talk about the inconsistencies um, um, with the with the team, especially with the offensive line. I'll give him that. The offensive line is crappy. They can't even block a code. They were surprised they were able to block the, the, the Browns. Uh, but, you know, um, they have, they've been inconsistent. So you need to address that. Of course, the Henry Ruggs loss is a big loss. They thought they could get, you know, compliment some things with Deshaun Jackson. However, he's 34, 35 years old. He can't play 30, 50 snaps anymore, which you need your ex receiver to do. So, you know, they're still trying to fine tune that. Um, and, and I think they found some gems on defense. Of course, Denzel Perryman is going to the Pro Bowl, well-deserved. Um, I, and, and you know, Max Crosby's had a stellar year. I think they've got that. I think they've got their defensive philosophy in mind. It's just going to be interesting to see what you do with this, what the coaches that. If you get a new offense, man, I think you just have to go with a new quarterback. Unfortunately, the Raiders are going to have a middle-of-the-road draft choice, yeah. and it's not a good, strong quarterback class. So, I mean, I, the thing I, I would probably think that you would try to do or try to figure out, because there is value in number four, even though he said he doesn't want to play for anyone else. There is value with him. If you find a team that, that, that takes him, like Pittsburgh or New Orleans, I think they're bound to give up a, a number one pick. And, Jason, you look at the way teams are doing or general managers doing over the past couple of years, they're stockpiling picks to be currency, you know, whether it's trades or anything else. So, you know, like Miami did when they got before they got, you know, Tua and stuff like that, stockpiling first-round picks. Raiders might have to do that to get themselves in line for a good quarterback. I just think you have to move on. Is there any chance? I mean, the, the I, I get the thought, and without it being a great rookie class, and sometimes when you draft a rookie, you go through what, you know, the Jets and the Jags and yep. and those guys are going through. So are you, are you thinking that angle or a proven – or Mariota or a proven guy that's that's just not Carr? Well, I mean, the bad thing about Mariota is that he can't hit the broad side of the barn sometimes. His accuracy <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I, I like his heart and stuff like that, but he's just not a very accurate quarterback. That's that's not a secret to anybody. Um and in these days, I don't, honestly, I don't know if you have a class like you had last year where, you know, everybody was fighting for those first rounders. I don't think you have it. You might be better off. Um, you have Mariota under contract for another year. You might be better off sticking with Mariota for a year, taking your lumps and drafting somebody in the later rounds. If you like somebody, maybe in the second or third round, like you found Derek Carr many years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the college uh, class, the quarterbacks coming out that closely because I've been so busy with other stuff. So, I mean, maybe you go that route. Hmm. Well, let's look at this week's game uh, with the Broncos. Um, you know, still playoff hopes alive, as we said, whether that's the right or wrong thing for them. But rivalry, a matchup back in Vegas, uh, day after Christmas. What do you think about the matchup on Sunday? Well, it's going to be interesting to see if Bridgewater is able to go. You know, he was in the percussion protocol after the game on Sunday. Um, they said he's out of the hospital and that he, he hasn't seen any uh, lasting symptoms. That's just a preliminary, and I think that was that came through on Monday. Um, but, you know, never know if he's going to play. Uh, obviously, the Raiders would like to have Drew Locke to play because he likes to throw to the Raiders all the time. <laughs> um, so um, they would like to see him play. But this is a game that, and like I said, the Broncos are only a quarterback away from making the damage. They've got a good defense. They've got a strong running game. Their offensive line is coming together. They just can't complete a pass half the time. So um, that's one of their biggest holdups. But um, it's anyone's guess to see what team is going to show up. And for the Raiders' standpoint, the same thing. You know, they look like gangbusters when they play Dallas on Thanksgiving Day on a short yeah. week. And then they go and they wet themselves the following week. You know what I'm saying? So um, I don't know who's going to show up in silver and black. I'm hoping they're able to put it together. 
And again, we'll we'll see what the, the the true maturity of this team, very young team, but true maturity of the team if they can put some fight together in the final three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I thought they they handled the adversity. I would say pretty well. That's weird, not knowing. Hey, we're we're flying today, and then no, you're not, and you're playing this time. That, that's that's unique. It doesn't everybody, and not everybody has to go through it. But that's kind of the world we're in now, Lincoln. That that players really have to be flexible, I guess, with some of these games. Well, one of the things that I thought, and I, I kind of addressed it when I talked about it, when people were like, "Well, who, how do you prepare if you don't know who you're playing against?" Mm-hmm. But one of the things you take in consideration, Jason, you're not, you're not, you're 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 not preparing against a person. You're preparing against the scheme. Yeah. For example, the Cleveland Browns run a four-three cover two. You know, man, man, uh, man under, uh, two deep man under. That's what you're preparing for. That's, so that's what you're coaching, you're creating your game plans around. Now, whoever shows up on the field, you just have to take it as it is because even as, as much as uh, yesterday, I think before the game, they didn't even know who was going to be totally available. They, they brought an extended list of uh, flip card uh, changes due to names that were omitted and people you know, tested positive or couldn't get off the COVID list. So they, they pushed it back as far as they could go before they had to play. You know, I watched a highlight on Sunday, and I said, oh, i got to ask Lincoln about this. And forgive me if I'm not remembering correctly, but it was I think it was a defensive lineman for the Dolphins, Wilkins, who caught a pass out of the backfield, scored, then had a great celebration, did the worm and all this stuff. And I thought, I wonder if Lincoln was ever tackle eligible. Did you ever catch any passes? I mean, it was somebody's funny you asked me. Somebody asked me at Cleveland if I, if I, if I was. I, I missed the opportunity. There was something I lobbied with with Gruden and Callahan all the time just to give me a chance to go out there, and we never even practiced it. So no, I was never tackle eligible. <laughs> what would you have done, though, if you got in? Like, did you, Would you have had, the, like, an epic dance? Oh, I, I, you know, definitely. You've got to have a big man dance. There's, there's no doubt about it. You've got to be ready for something. <laughs> I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know what I would have done if I got in the end zone or scored, but I would definitely show out because it wasn't going to happen too often. Yeah, got to live in that <laughs> moment. That's for sure. Well, how about uh, – I know it's we've talked about this before, and when you were an athlete, certainly now as an announcer, um, holidays are – you're kind of at the mercy of your schedule, but you got yeah. Christmas coming up and the game the next day. Uh, any plans? At least you guys are at home. I don't know if that makes it any yeah. easier. No, no. You know what? My kids have come to understand that the fall holidays just aren't for us. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we find a way to celebrate. Now, my sons are with their mothers. My kids are with their mothers right now. So um, they're, they're going to be hanging out and having Christmas joy in there. And then when I come home after the season's over, we'll celebrate. I'll have more time with them, but I'm going to be on the road Christmas. So. Gotcha. Well, Lincoln, uh, it's always great to catch up with you. It's been so much fun this season. I think this is our last one with time off and some changes around yeah. here, but uh, it's always great talking to you, and we'll talk to you again soon. And uh, hopefully uh, this, this journey continues for the Raiders for a few more weeks. Well, it, it's been a fun season to, to work with you, and I want to wish you and all your listeners a, a very happy and safe holiday. Be mindful and be smart and don't drink and drive. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, message received there, that's for sure. Lincoln, thank you so much. Have a great holiday, and uh, we'll listen to you this Sunday. Take care, Jason. Talk to you soon. Lincoln Kennedy, I had a chance to talk to him earlier today in our conversation, and really quite a win for the Raiders, as we said. I mean, they were in a position where they were they were done. They were going to be done literally, and they were losing the game in a game where Cleveland has so many guys out. Raiders have to find a way to win that game. Let's hear how it sounded uh, on the Browns radio network. Three seconds left from 48 yards away, waiting on the snap. Snap a little high, ball on the way, kick on the way, and the kick is good, and the Raiders win it in the last second. He should have done a jackpot. Jackpot, baby! Yeah, the Raiders got the win afterwards. Uh, Derek Carr talked about how they just needed to stay with it, stayed aggressive to get the win. I was trying to be aggressive all night, especially 
you know, with certain certain looks we had and with the weather, usually you think just run the ball and all that. So I try to come in with a really aggressive mindset. Yeah, so the Raiders got it done yesterday. Meanwhile, the uh, the Vikings were able to win because the Bears are just a mess. Fields sends Horstead into the end zone, throws the way of Horstead against his childhood favorite team, and Horstead caught it at the goal stripe. Wow, they put Horstead in the game to throw the ball to him against his childhood favorite team, and the game's over. Yeah, Vikings got the win. They're back in the playoff mix. Uh, the setup there is actually pretty good. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I've let's... got one question. Yeah. Who is his childhood favorite team? The Bears. Oh. Are you sure about that? I don't know if he explained it enough. Was it the Vikings? I don't know if I don't know if he, he had to keep uh I know if repeating it would let it sink into our minds. Yes. Um, how about the coach though of the Vikings on getting the win and being uh was it just a a messy game penalties personal foul penalties on the bears just they're a mess here's mike zimmer posing coach talking about the vikings kind of staying with it when you get your manhood challenge sometimes you react and you just have to keep you know i talked to the offense i talked to the defense about being composed and just doing our job well they did their job now on the other side i mean the seat is so hot right now for matt Nagy. they're going to finish the season with him but this is going to be it when you get to a point of you know where you're at right now, you want to be able to you know you want to be able to to score more points. And uh, again, it's uh, it's complimentary football, and we're not doing right doing that right now. And and uh, like you said, the last couple of years, it's been um, different reasons that we um, you know grow and get better and and try to grow and get better. And it starts with me, and it ends with me. You know, so I, I accept complete responsibility for that, and I think that's important to to understand. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, you learn a lot through this process. I'm sure he has, but you know, yeah, it does start and end with him, but it's going to be different. Like, you know, they drafted Justin Fields and they're finally playing him and, and to have him be the quarterback of the future, but it's going to be a quarterback of the future with a new quarterback and probably a new quarterback coach and coordinator to start year two. And that's the difficult situation. A lot of times when you draft early, unless you're drafting early and your coach is just starting with you like Urban Meyer was for Jacksonville, but I knew from the get-go that that wasn't going to be a long-term marriage. I, didn't, I thought it would last longer than it did, but he's already done there. Nagy's going to be done with Fields. Robert Sala just started with Zach Wilson, but you know the Jets are a team that's drafted high in the first-round quarterbacks multiple times. And that almost takes us back to Lincoln's point in his interview that we just had, that he is, he's been very open about this, and just even trying to pick this apart a little bit. I'm not even sure I'm disagreeing here with Lincoln. I'm just wondering what the answer is if it's not Derek Carr. So he thinks the Raiders have to go in a different different direction there. And yes, Derek Carr would fetch something nice in return. But if the Raiders elected to do that, I think you're going backwards. I think you have to take the route of going backwards. Um on purpose and what I mean by that is they're they're seven and seven I don't know what they're going to finish but they're not going to have a pick high enough to get a elite quarterback it's also not supposed to be a great quarterback class so do you go one more year of car and then try to draft a quarterback the next year and maybe make that trade do you move on from car now go with Mariota and see what that is or are you just trying to add another Stopgap. You remember when they did that a few years ago? Matt Schaub, that kind of that, that just doesn't sound exciting. 
But if you start to go on just the premise of Derek Carr not being the answer for the Raiders, let's do this quick exercise. I'm just going to look at the AFC. And, Chris, I'll have you participate in this because I'm going to see if we agree or not. The answer is Patrick Mahomes. He is better than Derek Carr. We'll go there. I'll start in his division. Herbert, I would say people would say is better than Derek Carr. Denver, no. Bridgewater, like that situation. So, in his own division, two quarterbacks are better than him. But that's two in the AFC. Houston, no. No, there's nothing there. Wentz, no. Same guy, but I would almost pick Carr. Uh, Jacksonville, Lawrence isn't there yet. Titans, Tannehill's good. What would you say, Tannehill or Carr? I don't know. <laughs> it depends on whose team. They're right. On. No, that's a big factor. Like, I it. think if Carr was on the Titans, I think he'd, he'd be just fine. Tannehill. Yeah. I, I think we're in a similar class there, but I think we're still at two definitives right now in Herbert and Mahomes. Um, people would take Lamar Jackson over Carr. Yes. There's three. I think people would take Joe Burrow over Carr based on where what yes. he's done and where he's going. I don't know if that's going to stay that way. I think people would take Carr over Mayfield. Ben, Big Ben might retire. So we're still at, what, three to four. Josh Allen, people would take. I wouldn't take Tua over him. I wouldn't take Zach Wilson and Mac Jones yet, but those guys, you got to give them a little more time. But if you had them on your – if Mac Jones is on the Raiders right now, taking a year off behind Carr and then coming in late like just to see what he's at, would you feel comfortable letting I, him take the reins? Yeah, I'd almost feel better about that or like the Niners situation where like if the Raiders had Trey Lance waiting, but they don't have – I mean, their backup is Mariota, who's fine. He's, I mean, he's been a starter – but you almost wish you had someone like that young guy that they were really, really high on that was next that you go, you know what, we might go backwards by moving on from Carr, but what we get in return for him will help complement our young quarterback. Instead, they're in such a tricky spot. If you go away from Carr, what's your answer? There's not a lot of guys better than him. There are better quarterbacks, but not a long list. And do you just want to go backwards and kind of be worse first get that better QB later, but then you're also in that growth period of being most bad teams that get these young QBs, it takes a while for the team and the quarterback to get better. So I think I would just go forward with Carr. I think if you go forward with Carr, though, you're You're stuck in middleman. Yeah, you're not expecting to do better, right? Yeah. You don't think that all of a sudden... You have to get better pieces around him. Yeah. That's, That's, if you're keeping him, you have to get better around him than they are right now. And like I said, they're, to me, a little bit like Minnesota and some of these other teams, a whole lot of average. They're not terrible. They're not good enough, though. And I don't see Carr as part of the problem, but I guess the question comes, is he part of the solution? And I think that's the big trick here. Uh, updating- <laughs> that's tough because I would say no to both of those. He's not the problem, but he's not the solution. I just don't see what the solution is. I guess, like, if there was a clear answer on what you do to – to change it, and I think it would be, what would you get for Carr? What's bad is you see these teams that take the next leap are almost the ones that were like three and thirteen the year before because they're able to just load up in the draft, get some pieces, and on top of that, their schedule is a lot easier than uh, it was the year before. Well, let's go to the quarterbacks that we said were better, Chiefs moved up to get Mahomes, but they already had Alex Smith, and they were a winner. That's very unique, very rare, but they drafted that beautifully. Uh, The Chargers got Herbert middle of the – not middle of the first round. I think that was like seventh or eighth. 
So picked high, relatively high, and picked him. Um, who else did we say? Burrow, that's a number one pick. Lamar Jackson was picked like the fifth quarterback that you're late in the first round. And Josh Allen was the second or third third quarterback picked that year, but picked top 10, top seven, something like that. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a different one for each one. And then, of course, there's the legendary one where Brady goes this year. I mean, that that just doesn't happen that often. So they're in a really, really trick, a tricky situation. Updating the NFL games that are going on right now. We told you there's two games today as they spilled over into the new week. Antonio Gibson has scored for Washington. The Washington football team leads the Eagles 7 to nothing. Remember, they're playing with Garrett Gilbert, who they just signed. He's got about 32 yards passing so far. And the Rams and Seahawks playing in Los Angeles. Four minutes left in the first quarter. There's a field goal so far, 55-yarder for the Rams. They lead 3 to nothing. Washington's got the lead. Yes. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's that classic NFL saying, you know, any given Tuesday. Classic. Only better if it's Wednesday. All right, break time for us. We'll come back. Again, coming up at 5, we're going to check in with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. But when we come back, the Kings and Clippers tomorrow. Kings trying to go 3-0 and versus Los Angeles. And we'll start discussing that game and some more ramification of what the Kings have been doing. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Here on Sports 1140 KHDK, in about 30 minutes, we check in with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, his weekly visit. We look forward to that. Uh, also coming up in our next segment, we want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, the NBA's plans. You're going to hear from Adam Silver on how to how they're going to keep going, going forward. The games go on. The show must go on, <laughs> allegedly, right? They are trying their best to play these games. I know tonight there was a few more that were scheduled that have been postponed, at least the Wizards and the Nets. And I still can't get over. I don't, I don't think we've had a show. No, we did have a show since, but that when the Nets decided to add Kyrie Irving, and then we laughed at it, Chris, that day. And then it was what a few hours later, Kyrie Irving entered health and safety. Protocols. I believe it was the next day. It was the next day. Man, not surprising. And again, not wishing this on anybody, but don't want to have anyone to have the worst day at their job. Yes. But the fact that the Nets thought in a time where their team and league is getting ravaged by COVID, they thought it would be best to implement a player that is unvaccinated. A part-time player that right. can't play at home or in Canada. Yeah, and the other part of all of that is that's it. I, I mean, the time that I've been around, whether it's college or professional organizations, the commitment that is needed to be all in is what it takes. And I know some people, well, we're always all in. Are you? At, are you? Is everybody, the whole team, every part of it, coaches, players, um, support staff, everybody, you have to be all in. Now, you certainly want talent, and the Nets have that. But to me, Kyrie's not all in and has always been that kind of player. And will look at anything else Almost as a reason to not play. Remember in the bubble, Kyrie was trying to like form his own thing for a while. Um, but to be fair to him, I don't think he was wrong in thinking that. 
because the idea was if we play, we are pushing for civil rights. This was during the oh, George yeah, yeah, yeah. Floyd marches and everything like that. He was saying we are going to take away the focus on that. And I have to I think he was right. I think, though, Chris, my point on Kyrie is that he's always looking for something else that's a reason to potentially not play. I don't think basketball is his favorite thing in the world. It's not. And I think that's the all-in part I'm talking about. And it's a little bit different. I always try to equate it to all of our words. But for those of you driving, like, are you all-in in your job? Probably not everybody is all-in. But this is something that it needs everybody, teamwork, cohesiveness, buy-in, all-in. And that's why I thought the Nets made the right choice, the right stand. Like, we don't want a part-time player. We know how good you are. That's This is not what the debate is. Kyrie's great. He's gifted. He's talented. But we need you all in. We need every, So where I will equate it to work, Chris, if you and I are going, doing the same thing every day and we're working and we're working and we're working and we're working and then someone, I don't know, comes in one day a week and gets the same acknowledgement. It's like, how, how are you and I supposed to feel about that? Yeah. How how is Kevin Durant and those and they may say, oh no, we wanted me. Well, do you? Do you want this? Is this what you wanted? But then also that depends if that person does come in late and show up late, but gets the job done and is killing it, and then you're like, well, I can't even fault him for that. Yes, but then you also now because know because there's a reason why he, he gets away with it because he's an incredible. He's that good. Yeah, player. if he was their tenth player, he'd be. Yeah, he's like, not on the team. But they, that's where they are. They know. I don't know if they know they have to have him to win it. That helps them to win it, though. And the hard part is let's let's just say this whole thing keeps going, and they get to the finals. They're supposed to. They're favored to win the whole thing, and they lose games that he doesn't play in. At some point, it's all good. Everything you're saying is is I think probably true. Oh, we won with him. We won with him. And if they lost because he couldn't play in a game and that eliminated them, how's that received? Who do you think was the one that brought it up, bringing him back? I don't know because the organization was so open about, like, we are not going to have a part-time player. I'm guessing it's the players. Now, do you think the players just went or up? Or player, like Kevin Durant. Do you think, like, someone went up to Steve Nash and says, like, who cares? Let's just get him here. I don't know how that was communicated, but probably along like those lines. Like something happened, along, or the front office is just like they've been trying to make moves, can't make moves. Like, hey, guys, what do you think of him coming back? I think it would be more on the players. Yeah, I don't think this is the front the, I don't believe it's – I mean, remember, they're this still is, in first. They're the best record in the East without this, him. This is when you're a kid and you want to go – you want to go over to someone's house to – for a slumber party, and then you go and ask your parents, okay, if it's okay with their parents, then it's okay with me. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole situation feels like. Yeah. Okay, front office. <laughs> okay, players. From the front office, it's okay with me if it's okay with you. Yeah. But as of now, he's not playing because he's in health and safety protocols like a lot of the league. So they were supposed to play tonight. The Nets, that was one of the games that was postponed with the Wizards. The games that are scheduled, Pacers, Heat, Pistons, Knicks, Blazers, Pelicans, Timberwolves, Mavericks, and the Suns, and the Lakers. As far as the Kings go, they won't play again until tomorrow. They'll be back at home. They're going to take on the Clippers. And a lot of times the league, as much as it's momentum and schedule and um, who's healthy, who's in, certainly now health and safety protocols, for whatever reason, the Kings have had good success so far this year against the Clippers. One of my favorite wins this year 
was the home win against the Clippers. After the Kings beat the Clippers in L.A., when I felt the Kings were being disrespected by the Clippers. Remember, the Kings weren't playing very well. And the Clippers said, you know what? We're going to rest Paul George. They rested him. And the Kings went in there and won. So the Clippers came back later in the week, a few days later, to Golden 1 with Paul George. And I thought, okay, well, at least the Kings got the one win. But now Paul George is playing. They just beat him. It's fresh. And the Kings got him again and played really well. They put De'Aaron Fox on Paul George. And I thought De'Aaron defended him great. And they held the Clippers to 99 points. 104-99 was the final in that game. That was one of their better performances of the year. Last night, we mentioned how about the Kings competed and had the compete level and all that, all the things you need. Uh, just didn't have enough to beat the Warriors. For the Clippers, man, they were at home. They played the Spurs team. The Kings just played the night before and looked really good while undermanned and beat the Spurs. Spurs just annihilated the Clippers yesterday. 116 to 92 was the final. Paul George did play. And this Clipper team really is an up and down team. They're, are they 500? I think they are now. Or 16 and 15. So right there. Um, but they had their, you know, for the most part, main guys, especially thinking about Paul George. And obviously, Kawhi Leonard has been out. But they haven't been able to really find their groove. They've started Bledsoe, put him off the bench. They've played, you know, they yesterday they tinkered with kind of a little bit of a different looking uh, starting lineup in Zubats, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Mann, and Luke Kennard. But it was the group that the Kings saw the day before of the Spurs, and they just crushed them. So tomorrow, what do we expect? I think the, the big question for the Kings, who will be back, if anybody? And the news today with the Kings that we talked about earlier Namias Keda has gone into health and safety protocol, so there's now another player on the Kings list that is in health and safety protocols. Two players that they called up from the G League because they were losing players have yes. gone on the COVID list. I would have thought, without any expertise in this field, that when it was announced that Lewis King was positive, who had just played in Oklahoma City with uh, in the G League and wherever they were, I say Oklahoma City, but somewhere, and came in with Woodard and Ramsey, I said, well, those guys are going to be positive, but... Knock on wood, they haven't, but Kata, we just find out. I think that was earlier today. So, man. And the Kings did sign someone earlier today. Um, who was it that they signed? Bill Turnington. That's not who it was. Uh, Aid Murky? Oh, Aiden yeah. Murky. Yeah. Murky came in to join the Kings. I mean, the situation is getting murky. With the Kings. He is averaging nearly 12 points a game for the Stockton Kings, shooting about 50% from three on five attempts per game, played well for the Kings in the summer league. So he is a guy that has been added on a 10-day hardship deal, which is where the league is, basically having to add players because of the situation. When do Dave Deuce Mason and Morgan Reagan start calling the Kings games because they know more about the players than you and G-Man? when we go into health and safety protocols. But don't say that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, It's getting pretty close to that point. It's getting pretty close to that point. Speaking of that, did you see that uh, Morgan's going to be on NBA TV? Oh, yeah, again. I think this is like the second or third time. I think she's calling two games tonight. G League, is that the showcase thing? Yeah. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. So good for her to get that opportunity. Good and for us. Good, good for, for America. Good for the good for the world. It's good for absolutely 
everyone. All right, break time for us. We will come back. Got to get more updates on these NFL games that are going on right now. And also want to tell you how the NBA plans on going forward with these protocols. We've got some sound and reaction from Adam Silver. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Dr. Fauci on the phone because the roadies got me stressed out. I think I need some help. The roadies got me stressed out. I gotta take care of my mental health. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK, NFL update. Put another score for those Washington football team. For those <laughs> Washington football team up 10 nothing on the Eagles. Wow. That's just like they say. Say, Chris. In the NFL, any given Tuesday. Any given Tuesday. Second quarter, the Rams lead the Seahawks 3-0. Okay. So, uh, let's jump into a couple more things NBA-wise that we were talking about um, of concern, certainly from Adam Silver, because the league is at a point where they certainly – want the games to keep going on and whether we debate whether that's right or wrong I get it I that's not even the question the question is they're going to continue that's what they've stated that's how they've shown they're allowing teams to add players uh, even on 10 days that go against your contract or don't go against your salary cap excuse me so that has been the theme that has been what they've clearly stated so teams have to be uh, planned accordingly to that so let's hear Adam Silver kind of address that earlier today um on whether or not they would even shut down the season at all. No plans right now to pause the season. We've, of course, looked at all the options. But frankly, um, we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing right now as we look through these cases, literally ripping through the country right now, putting aside the rest of the world. Um, I think we're finding ourselves where we sort of knew we were going to get to for the past several months, and that is that this virus will not be eradicated, and we're going to have to learn to live with it. And I think that's what we're experiencing in the league right now. So I think that phrasing right there is important, learn to live with it, learn to play with it. I'm Not literally if you have it, you play, but how do they go forward? And their answer is if you have eight or more players available, the game goes on. And some teams have added to had to add players. There was a story today, I think they were saying, about Toronto and Chicago for tomorrow, where Toronto wasn't going to have very many players available, but the people they were going to sign were en route to Chicago to basically meet them there to get them to at least the threshold of eight players. That's the kind of things that have to go on. So you have to have other plans, other uh, outlooks on how to get this done. Let's hear, Silver, one more thing on that about uh, contingencies to keep this thing going. We need to talk for a few hours to talk about the contingencies. So, yes, I mean, I would say beginning from the day we initially shut down the league, you know, in, in March of 2020, we've done nothing but look at contingencies. So, of course, we always have those. But at least as of now, um, our plan is to move forward, um, not just for the Christmas Day games, but there are another roughly 23 games scheduled um, between now and Christmas. And, you know, every day is a new day. You know, we we get the overnight testing. We look where we are in terms of our rosters and make our decisions. But at at least, as I said, 
um, it seems for us that the right and responsible thing to do, taking all the factors into consideration, is to continue to play. Okay. That's from the big boss. Now that I'm thinking about this, what's crazy is the G League being around has basically kept the NBA afloat. It's really, really helped. It really has. And I think it's something that the NBA should invest more. My perfect world would be in 10 years, college basketball isn't a thing anymore. Why? Because I think it would be better use to the players, to the league, if they were able to get players young. We Who's the um, kid with the Ignite at 17 years old? Yeah, I, think uh, that, I know who you're talking about. I think that's better for his career in the league for them to be able to get a hold of players younger that actually want to improve them their game instead of just use what they're good at. What about the – I know what your point is. What about the – the majority of college basketball players, that's it. Like, they don't go on. Can, couldn't that? Now, it may not be the version that we love, but why should college basketball stop for those that I should say, I'm not a pro, so I want to keep playing. And yeah, like, yeah. I tried to play college basketball. I, I should, was I good should enough. take that back. Uh-huh. I think that the best basketball players, 15 to 20, should not be playing college basketball. Okay. Okay. In what a decade or so, if, if yeah. they've really got and and the G League, which was what the D League before G League, the way it's grown, I mean, and there was such a for whatever reason at the beginning, such a negative connotation, like oh you draft, oh my gosh, they're sending the draft pick down to the D League, what a bust. No, that's now it's not looked at that way, yeah. which I'm glad because it's really grown into that what you want it to be is a, for lack of a better term, a farm system to get players time, practice time, professional time, uh, game time. Um, all that kind of rhythm and, and ability, and I think that's still it can be really healthy for the league. When Cato was drafted by the Kings, we all knew he was going to go to the G League, and we were fine with it. We we're all happy with it. Yeah, like oh, that's cool. He'll be able to. Yeah. He'll be able to see him, see how he does. And also, there are plenty of people that'll go there, and it's like okay, it just we thought they were G Leaguers, but maybe they could become an NBA. They're not. That's great. They were pros. They get some money. Maybe a couple years in there, and then they, you know, they go on to another profession or whatever. But you also hope you've got that group that becomes wildly successful through that G League journey, and then has a nice NBA career. So this part, though, where they are, I mean, like tonight, right now, uh, the Pacers and Heat are playing. Pistons and Knicks are playing. The other games that are scheduled are supposed to go on: Blazers, Pelicans, Timberwolves, Mavericks, Suns, Lakers. The only other one that was scheduled today is Wizards and Nets postponed i know you know if the league is comfortable with this philosophy then they have to be comfortable i'm going to go to christmas day and look at the games again yeah the hawks are very impacted i know capella just went on to, under health and safety protocols uh Giannis has been in there um a few of the nets are just you know that nets lakers game or warrior Suns is probably their biggest highlighted marquee game times and if steph were to go in there Chris Paul, LeBron, well, the Nets already ravaged, like I said. You have to be comfortable enough to say, all right, well, we are. The game goes on. The show goes on. We think it's best to play the games, but these are the games you're serving the public. And if you're okay with that, then that seems to be what they are okay with. Then the games go on. Then play them. And the Kings are going through it. They have been one of the more harder-hit teams. But if you follow the trend, you got to believe it's going to hit more of the teams 
and be even more impactful. I'm not saying it's a good thing that the Kings went through it, but what they, since going through it, I'll say, quote unquote, relatively early in this process, because I got to believe it's going to hit all the teams. Maybe that's helpful. I don't even know. Always try to look for a silver lining here. But the silver lining to me in all of this has been the fact that Tyrese has had a chance to really play in the lead role, and he has thrived, I think, in that. So, all right, coming up, still one more hour to go here for this Tuesday. We'll start the hour with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. He's going to join us when we come back right here on Sports 1140. KHDK.